Do you not feel like an ultra man? <laughs> <laughs> ultra T. Welcome to this episode of Say by the Belial, an atrocious Ultraman podcast where we save all of the racy jokes for off the air. I'm David. <laughs> I'm low testosterone Chris. And joining us is the irreplaceable Kyle Anderson. How are you, Kyle? Huh? I'm great. I'm, I mean, feel extra good now that I'm irreplaceable. <laughs> well, we only know that because we tried so many times. <laughs> oh, that's the problem. I'm like a bad penny. <laughs> so uh yeah I, I think we made the right decision chris we decided to record our bonus episode before just to kind of loosen ourselves up a bit uh i was actually i was thinking about it uh in reclaiming conversation by sherry turkle she talks about how it takes seven minutes for a conversation to really get started so take seven multiply it by about eight and that's where mm-hmm, we were at mm-hmm. for the bonus episode so so about 56 ta- sounds like yeah, right about. So, <laughs> you know, give or take five. We're not an ultra math podcast. No. <laughs> no. So we're going to talk to Kyle. We're going to talk Ultra 7. But if you want to get to know Kyle a little bit more, and I demand that you do, make sure to check out the bonus episode next week. But since it's not next week right now, or is it? Uh, That's some cool. wibbly wobbly timey wimey <laughs> things. Spoilers, Chris. <laughs> oh, oh shoot Kyle if you could talk about yourself a bit with Nerdist your other podcasts probably not your personal life because it's not worth talking about uh, whatever you feel like the <laughs> listeners should know <laughs> <laughs> well I mean uh, what what I don't know if anyone needs to know anything really about me but um, I yeah I'm mm. the uh, senior editor of Nerdist um, I co-host three different uh, Doctor Who podcasts I feel like if uh, people are Doctor Who fans. Maybe they know who I am uh, from various who podcasts. I do. <laughs> who Doctor oh Who God. I am? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the rights to that. Uh, I'm just singing it. Yeah, we only get ten seconds of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so I do a podcast called Doctor Who: The Writers' Room, which takes a look at the writing and uh, kind of story progression i guess of doctor who um i do a podcast called uh five years rapid which specifically looks at the five seasons of the third doctor from the Wait, early rapid 70s. like why don't you get a shot for that uh <laughs> rapid uh, quickly five hounds rabid uh, no, I don't. well now i feel like an idiot <laughs> <laughs> i'm here talking about five years rabid like it's just you know the next american great american novel you know living with rabies for <laughs> five years what oh. it does to a man or i mean get a shot for first you don't need to do that <laughs> technology We've has been moved saying way to get beyond a shot for the past six months and you see how that's worked out yeah Just put them down sidebar of course <laughs> i as a child growing up in the 80s and 90s 
rabies was a much bigger deal. I always thought it was going to be a much bigger deal than it ended up being. People are constantly it's worried like about getting rabies. dropping and rolling. Yeah. There was that too. Yeah. When are you going to get rabies or on fire? Yeah. It feels like a John Mulaney skit waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it is up there. I mean, he has that bit about quicksand, which again, <laughs> they talked a lot about quicksand. Also amnesia, getting hit on the head and then mm-hmm. you forget stuff. That was con- That was everywhere when we were kids. Uh, when I was How do you know that didn't happen to you? I don't. And I never will. <laughs> <laughs> so you get hit again and all your memories are put back. Yeah. Right? So you just blew my mind. And that happens on Doctor Who one time. Actually, a couple times. Um, and then the third Doctor Who podcast I do, just get the plugs out of the way, uh, is Doctor Who, uh, the memory cheats, where we randomly decide what Doctor Who story to talk about for 10 minutes. And then we're done. <laughs> so it's a very short podcast. Um, but yeah, you can find all of those uh, on my Twitter Kyle D. Anderson. There, I've done literally all the plugs. I will but that's link you need to know all of those in the show description. And let it be on the record, every time I hear the word plugs, I don't think about my stretched ears. I just think about Tobias with the worst hair plugs in the world <laughs> and his refusal to have them taken out. Because I just started watching that again the other day. And it's such a good show. It's such a good show. Um, so we'll always like to ask a fiery incendiary question of our guests. Yes. Um, Who's the best? Who's the best companion? And if it's not Donna Noble, you can see yourself out. I mean, it's hard to argue with Donna Noble. I, okay. I'll just say that. Like, uh, she has the kind of. Unf- I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. I promise I will um, stop. <laughs> um, uh, Donna, I think has the. Uh, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but has the kind of unfortunate. Uh, uh, distinction of being in, I think, David Tennant's worst season overall, um, story-wise. But she, by far, is my favorite of his companions. Um, I think Rose with the Ninth Doctor is, is unbeatable, but I did not particularly care for Rose with the Tenth Doctor. Um, but absolutely, Donna is, like, his best, his, you know, my favorite of his companions. Uh, I like most of the Matt Smith companions. I think I actually like them all. Um, so it's kind of tough because that was like Smith was like my doctor when I when I caught up to live with um, how the, much did the he cost? <laughs> yeah, what was his deductible? <laughs> higher higher than it should have been. I I, I got a bad deal on that. <laughs> Not a real doctor. No, uh, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah. So I, I yeah. Oh, you're not going to get an argument out of me that Donna's not good. Dang it, we never do because <laughs> <laughs> we've asked that question so many times. <laughs> well, actually, we've asked that question, but people have answered wrong, so you've never heard their episodes. Yeah, yeah, you don't. They've been you don't the door. Never guess how many guests we've dropped. Yeah, we actually had Kyle. Someone Higgins. said Martha, and I just wow. Yeah, we had Kyle Higgins, you know, the the writer from the Marvel series, and we uh, booted his butt right out of there. <laughs> <laughs> he said Billy, and I was just like, sorry. Yeah, what a snob. So hmm. let's get the house clean out of the way, because again. We are a patriarchal podcast. So, Chris, <laughs> we do not have any new reviews for you to read. I do apologize. Actually, Sad. we did get a new review, mm-hmm. but they didn't leave a comment. So you're dead to us. Well, let me read it then. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was offensive. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> oh, not in this day and age. Um, but we did get some listener feedback from... A couple of people. 
about the laundry machine monster that we talked about. Hmm. And the first one was a comment on YouTube. Damn, forgot to take my cough drop out. Okay, so the first comment was for later. (laughs) I know, but then he was talking and I was sucking on it. (laughs) Angriest way I've ever heard someone say that. (laughs) We have strong feelings on cough drops on the show. (laughs) So the first comment came from uh, Anim Sultron on YouTube. They said, I know exactly what you're referring to with the laundry machine monster being Five King and the noise there. That was always so distracting to me as well. And then we got an email, like an actual email. Someone was so incensed about this. They emailed yeah. us. Yeah, incensed. Um, I love your verbiage. Uh, Terry Vicroy <laughs> said, hello, Chris and David. Like, hello. Yeah, <laughs> hello. I'm so glad someone else could relate to my distress with the strange sound coming from Five King. That weird pitch noise sounded exactly like the washer and dryer my parents had. It really threw me for a loop. It also got me to do my laundry, so I guess that's a plus. Mm -hmm. Love the show. Excited to keep going down the ultra rabbit hole with you guys. And I think he's unmasked a super high conspiracy that people just weren't doing laundry in Japan, so they would do this and you know, there you go. I don't know if LG is a Japanese company, but that's what we have is LG washer and dryer. So maybe that's what's going on. I think we should do an Ultraman podcast that only focuses on laundry theme episodes. A surpri- You'll find a surprising amount, actually. I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, we definitely have the one from Neo Ultra Q, which yep. is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. so good. But Ultra dirty laundry. <laughs> Tell you about that. Um, All the secrets of the show revealed. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, also wanted to give a quick shout out to the Henshin Dad podcast. So, Happy Father's Day. A few <laughs> weeks late. Uh, I don't remember if he gives his name on the show, so I don't want to dox him. So, we're just going to call him Neil. But Neil is the Henshin Dad, and he's been going through some of the new generation shows this month. Long story short, it's a really fun show. He takes 10, 15 minutes, talks about uh, whatever series of Ultraman or Common Rider. If you just want something quick, bite-sized, I definitely recommend checking it out. And sorry, I hate getting old. I get like these weird heartburn burps. I'm just oh, going to yeah. blame it on getting COVID last year. Okay. And then less importantly, we have a Patreon. Take all that money you're giving to monsters versus men and give it to us. I know I said I was done, but I'm never done. Uh, But it is a little bit different. It is going to charity. So we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Uh, But we would ask that you at least check that out and be willing to uh, consider partnering with us. Again, I'll have more information at the end of the episode. Uh, But now it is time for Ultra 7. And I am awkwardly reaching over here to grab the box because I forgot to take a picture of the show description. But I guess if you're listening to this, hopefully you've already watched it. But in case you haven't, as an interstellar war of invasion spreads across the universe, a scout from the land of light in Nebula M78 comes to Earth on a mission of peace. Is that anachronistic? Like, don't they establish? I don't remember if they established that later. Uh, After witnessing a heroic act of self-sacrifice by a young Earthman, the alien is inspired to protect the planet and its people from those who would do it harm. 
He adopts the human identity of Dan Moroboshi and joins the Ultra Guard, an elite unit tasked with defending the Earth from alien invaders as the team's newest member, the giant hero Ultra 7. The third entry in Subaraya Productions' Ultraman franchise, Ultra 7, in all caps, would offer a more thoughtful adult approach than its predecessors while still delivering the action and giant monsters that fans of Ultra Q and Ultraman, both in caps, had to come had come to expect. Available for the first time in high definition, enjoy the visual effects the Subaraya team is known for across the galaxy. So, Kyle, if you could start by reading the episode description for episode one. Absolutely. Episode one, The Invisible Challenger. A routine traffic stop takes a terrifying turn when the driver disappears in a flash of light right in front of the eyes of a shocked police officer. As the Terrestrial Defense Force learns of the disappearance, they find that it isn't an isolated incident. People have been, have been vanishing all over Tokyo with no connections found between the victims. Concluding that such a mysterious event can only be the work of aliens, they call on their elite team, the Ultra Guard. Also, Dan Morboshi shows up. <laughs> they did not even mention him once in this description. They did not mention Dan Moroboshi. <laughs> you are not wrong. Is he like important to this or something? Interestingly enough, he's in the title song, which uh, has never happened before or since, I don't think. No. But more importantly, not before. there was two songs before that. We get Kenji Sahara. <laughs> so this is already yeah. my favorite series because he is yeah. the best actor of all time. So, you know. So new show, new tone, new characters. What's the opinion here? I I was uh I'm a big Ultra Seven fan, which I think is probably why you guys asked me on. Um and I, I really just I love <laughs> I don't know why, actually. <laughs> Lawyers. That's why. We needed to add to our People with Beards autograph book. Um, um, uh, yeah, I think it's great. I uh, This was the show that kind of... Ultra Q got me into watching these type of shows, um, and I still think Ultra Q is like a masterpiece. Uh, Ultraman's a lot of fun, and you guys did a great job of talking about what makes that show Thank so you. fun. Um, but Ultra 7 is like, at least these 10 episodes that I've rewatched. I, I mean, there's dips, you know, peaks and valleys with all of these shows because they were so long. But um, this really gets to the heart of like what I really like about, you know, this type of show. And and it's it's kind of no surprise that Ultra 7 became sort of, I don't know, just as mythical as the original Ultraman and kind of got to do more stuff. Like, you know, mm. his he in the storyline of the greater Ultra universe seems to play a much bigger part I mean, he has a kid. <laughs> he was a mentor in a different story. Like, he gets a lot of action. The, yeah, he he, oh he shows up gosh. arguably a lot more. It's it's weirdly like they're they hold back on showing the original Ultraman because th that's like you know the mm. pinnacle. We can't you know we can't overuse him. But Ultra Seven gets to get all down and dirty and stuff like that. And also, it's fun to watch this kind of when I did, and also you know um, now uh, having seen a lot more of the Ultra series. And just see how different it was and how they really did retcon this into being an ultra, you know, part of the ultra saga, because so much of it is not what we know of from. I mean, first of all, he has no color timer. So what are we going to do? We could talk about these episodes forever. <laughs> these episodes just go on forever, actually. <laughs> right. Yeah, we might Crazy. we might just need to go ahead and have our our extender just this first episode. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we get a, a human size ultra seven, like right off yeah. the bat. It's entirely different. He uses Wyndham, right? And mm -hmm. then we have just 
the the humor here is unique as well. Like when they're introducing everyone, they're like, and age, <clears throat> sorry, pardon me. Like <laughs> just yeah. the narrator is beautiful. So what yeah. about you, Chris, though? I'll, I'll, oh, I'll... I'm so sorry. I literally <laughs> forgot that we were time. So <laughs> <laughs> so did Ultra 7, so it's fine. <laughs> I guess we're we, we, get the, we get the one per episode. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> um, yeah, what about you, Chris? It is funny. You mentioned that because I... This is if you had asked me before all this which ultra I recognized, it would have been it would have been Ultra Seven. Like for some reason, he's the one that I've seen. And it might be because what you're seeing with that Cartoon Network thing. Maybe he's like, um, oh, in next week's episode. Um, you haven't <laughs> said that good. yet. Um But yeah, this is the one that's a lot more recognizable to me. But I like that I like that it's like feels kinda like a new show, but it just keeps rolling. It's like, you've been watching. I'm here to set up this new thing for you. Um, I like the continuity. Didn't feel quite like a pilot, but didn't quite feel like a season premiere. Felt like the stakes were a little higher. So, And the alien gets and his also, decapitated. It's like, it, well, but it, it also seems like everything I recognize comes from um, like a lot of the kaiju and a lot of the robos. I, when I was on Ultra Wiki taking a look at them just like looking at their suits i was like hey we just saw that one in ginga s mm-hmm. um so yeah that's my incisive commentary i don't want to take too much time on this episode but it they brought kaiju royalty into this episode because both akihiko harada and kenji sahara are in it who between the two of them were in every single kaiju movie ever made um <laughs> Uh, and of course, Kenji Sahara was the lead in Ultra Q, but uh, Akihiko Harada played uh, the original Dr. Sarazawa in Godzilla. So legendary dudes. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that they have been Furuya. Uh, Sorry, just my English coming out. Uh, you know, he's a suit actor for <laughs> Ultraman, you know, so that's yeah. cool that he's actually on the Ultra Guard. But all right, man. We got it. We got to keep this structured. Yes. That's Sorry. what the people are here for. Structured. They're here for our strict rigidity. Yes. On episode two, the green terror on the return of TDF agent Ishiguro from space, his wife and maid discover a bizarre rock lying in their driveway. The ultra guard recognizes it as the alien substance Tilsonite 808 that was left alone for the police to handle. This proves to be a mistake later that night. His exposure to a second piece of Tilsonite 808 insidiously sent through the mail seems to mutate Ishiguro into a horrible plant-like alien, YL. He leaps into the night, assaulting and nearly killing a passing salaryman. <laughs> Worse yet, upon his retrieval by the Ultra Guard, the man mutates into a creature himself. Dun, dun, dun. So I've got to ask, how does it feel to have mm. an Ultra host that actually has a personality compared to Shen? <laughs> Like it's the facial structures, it's the joke. It's like he's he's hot. Like what's what's going on here? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, he is a much better actor. I, I do have to say, and then maybe it's not even the actor's fault from mm. who played Shin, but like uh, he gets a lot more to do. Dan is a lot deeper, um, and also he gets. This is a cool. This is a cool episode, and gets to be cool in this too. And and is an under an unsung hero, I think, in this. Um, and she gets to be awesome right away. She's also a babe. Let's be honest. We're we're well, you and me, Kyle. We're married men. I think we can admit that. So, oh yes, I I do freely admit that I'm a married man. <laughs> <laughs> episode title. 
Oh man, this this one oh, sat. Awesome. It, it felt a little different now, like after the mm-hmm. pandemic, being like we're gonna prohibit citizens from going out at night, or like this this yeah. thought that like you know it's really an effective strategy. You keep infecting yeah. others, and they'll infect more people. I'm just sitting here and being like, uh, too soon, super high. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too early. <laughs> but I also just had a laugh about mailing mailing rocks. <laughs> people's houses like the like the mail person wasn't like well that seems kind of weird but it's got a stamp so <laughs> the mail must go through yeah rain or shine space or earth the mail will never not be delivered um i don't know if you're familiar with there's a, a show slash movie called the quater mass experiment it's an old british thing uh this series obviously was kind of inspired by british stuff but uh the quater mass exper- experiment is about uh, astronauts who come back to Earth and one of them is infected with an alien-like plant creature and then becomes this giant monster that they huh. have to destroy. Oh, Venom. Venom. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, is Venom. Less talkative Venom. Um, <laughs> but that's what this reminded me of, like, a lot, was uh, the Quatermass experiment. A little bit of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, too. Hmm. Mm. They live, they laugh, they love. <laughs> Wait, that's the other movie. Ridiculous, anyway. Chris. Uh, yeah, and what I love the shift already. So we talked about how Dan's a different host, but it's also because he's actually Ultra Seven, right? It's not like Hayata having the Ultraman inhabit him. It's mm-hmm. well, we haven't got to that episode yet, but it is more unique here, where you see him being more calculating than Shin would have been, right? So his mm-hmm. eyes can glow; he can see through things. He's constantly evaluating stuff that Shen or other ultra hosts that we've seen haven't done. So mm-hmm. to me, that I like that unique feel. It sets that sci-fi tone drastically. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say all right. <laughs> Episode three, Secret of the Lake. A tip sends Dan and Furuhashi into the mountains to search for a crashed extraterrestrial object where they pursue a strange girl who seems out of place. The chase eventually takes them to a bizarre alien ship. Dan quickly sees through the girl's flirtatious responses to questioning. Before he can press her further, though, a trap knocks them all out. As Dan's consciousness fades, he sees an alien figure reach into his pockets and steal his ultra eye. This episode is so relatable. Because every time a woman flirts with me, they just want something. <laughs> like the information that I have, my ultra eye. It's just like no one wants me for me. The information they just want me you for have. what I can head shin into. Your your baby Yoda Funko collection back there. That's what I'm saying. I don't know, man. It's just like they're just like, I want to see you henshin. And I was like, tell me what you really want. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh. This is a... Yeah, I love this trope of Dan losing his ultra eye to a beautiful woman. Well, we should say, like... can blame him? Which, I mean, it comes into play a little bit more later on, but he is OP in this series, like, at least early on. Like, so they have to do something to make him a little, you know... They have to nerf him. They got to nerf him a little bit, especially when he becomes Ultra 7. Right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um but it's like not only does he have all of his powers when he turns into ultra seven but he also has a pocket full of giant monsters and and robots he can throw out like 
Mm-hmm. He, he's kind of overpowered, but yeah. um, it's this, this episode. Yeah, but we do get Ella King in this one, mm-hmm. and Ella King is great. Have you have you yeah, seen the... uh, Mabius? No, I haven't seen Mabius okay. yet. There's a tiny chibi Ella King in that show, and it is the best thing in the world. I need to watch it. Are you telling me there's another baby kaiju coming up? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. Marty. It is funny to me. Like, you had mentioned how OP he is. Like, it's episode three, and they've already said we got to get this away from him. Like, in a traditional show of this length, we're, like, still getting to know the extent of his power. The, the Rangers don't even have individual swords yet, let alone the Megazord. But they've already got to start taking his eye away, you yeah. know? It, and and it, start, it starts here, too, where it's, like, in, in previous Ultra series, uh, or and other ones, too, that came afterwards, it, like an alien threat would happen and whoever the, you know, the, the team, the science special search party would go and, you know, intervene. This, this one sets up, the aliens are coming specifically to attack the ultra guard. Yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and I think obviously because ultra seven is involved, but it's just like, maybe it's you guys who are the problem. No one would come and bother anybody if you guys weren't here. Yeah. Clearly Dan's pissed someone off and he just yeah. won't fess up. Right. He's just sitting there and be like, woe is me and it's like dude <laughs> you literally ran over his dog like did you not think something would happen here but mm-hmm. it's like john wick but the kaiju version mm. speaking of john wick they're adding some really interesting actors to this new movie king kong was probably the strangest addition i figured it would have been the clown from it but let me shut the door here really quick what what's his name quarter wise or something like that yeah um Pennywise is the great value version quarter wise you know it wasn't that <laughs> six Pennywise the Ripper oh my god all right what are we up to episode four mm-hmm okay episode four Max respond <laughs> Dan is ferrying Amagi and Soga uh, under top secret orders to the classified ship Max created by the TDF. On the way back, he stops to help a woman with car trouble, only for her to assault him and steal his ultra eye. Upon arriving in the area, the Max itself is captured, lifted into the sky by the alien tractor beam. Desperate to save their comrades, Dan and the ultra guard immediately uh sortie? Okay. Yeah. It's a good in one. the ultra hawks. The insidious Godola, or Godola, I actually don't know how it's pronounced, appears to them, telling them of his plan to conquer Earth. Conquer Earth? <laughs> you just do what I do. Say the name really fast and confidently, and no one tweets at you that you said it wrong. Yeah. Or if they do, I don't read No it. one tweets at <laughs> us anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, Chris, you're, you're our resident Old Testament guy. It's very clear Dan has not read any of his proverbs because he keeps falling for all these women. That's what I'm these saying. foreign women. He keeps every time Lady Folly comes up, he's like, "Let's go." Yeah, Lady Lady Folly beckons from her car. Yet he always listens. See, I'm just like, if this would have been done in the '90s, he would have just pulled like, you know, been like one of those goth kids at Hot Topic and just chained his ultra eye to his Jinko jeans, and like mm-hmm, he never would have mm-hmm. lost it. Right? <laughs> but at least that not going like a anywhere. Yeah, there is no reason he should have something that powerful just loose in his pocket. That's insane. Yeah, it's literally like in his breast pocket, right? So, yeah. I mean, a woman has to violate his his boundaries to get it. 
And maybe that's it. He's because just like, stealing itself is not a violation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's it. Like he hasn't felt the 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 touch of a alien in a long time, so he's just like, yeah, sure. Same yeah. man. Dan is really just like my guy. Yeah, he's a little <laughs> clueless though, right? I mean, not well, only sure. does he fall for the alien disguises woman, but he has no idea that Anne wants to get with him. Like, just no idea. But he's an alien, right? So yeah. It's, how, how would he know? I mean, they <sighs> that's one of the yeah. That's one of the best parts of the show is constantly being like, Dan, Anne is like super into you. Darn you. <laughs> it's literally, Don, Don. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this episode, we do have the first appearance, I think, of the like alternate kind of jazzy uh, Ultra 7 song, which is them counting. One, two, which three, one, three, one, two. One, two three. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's one of my favorite bits of this. And they just play it a lot. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, this this whole show, the soundtrack's different, right? And I yeah. I'd actually had that on a comment for a different episode, but you know, a lot of it's very foreboding. It's very yeah dark, and then you have songs like this where you're like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, yeah. I just it's unique. I like it. Yeah, totally. And but you need something to play over these elaborate model like launching sequences that they've made. Yeah. Um, oh, honestly. And they're so cool. I mean, again, this was like uh Super Eye was was a big fan of Jerry Anderson, like mm-hmm. Thunderbirds and stuff. And so they wanted to do a lot more of that with this story with this show. And it like completely shows because there's so much attention to all the different ships and you know, them taking off and just like the the kind of like I mean, they're literally called Ultra Hawks. Yeah, Come I on. mean, honestly. <laughs> you can't be more obvious at that point, in my opinion. But <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say down the road in the some of these ultra shows that it goes from that to being like one double, one double, one double, one double. Like they do that in like Return of Ultraman and stuff. And those mm-hmm. are my favorites. I don't know. Some about those one dabas. I'm just like, Wendaba forever, right? <laughs> Speaking of music, before we go to the next episode, I, w- I do want to say that when they go aboard the Max mm-hmm. and uh, Kenji Zahara is there and he turns around, they play the Ultra Q sting because he was mm-hmm. the star of Ultra Q. And that oh, was so one good. of my favorite bits. Yeah. It's almost like they're that. nerds making these shows. Right? I know they're like, nerds for their own shows, which is really fun. I Yeah. Think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You can usually go in one of two directions, though. Um, also, I have a really good joke about this one. <laughs> okay, don't uh, let him talk. Episode five. What? <laughs> okay. Uh, episode five, Vanish Time. A well-respected TDF official. A walrus? Professor Yushi... Hmm? A walrus TDF official? A, a walrus official. <laughs> a well-respected TDF official, Professor Yushima, is traveling by supersonic jet from Antarctica to Japan to upgrade the Ultra Guard's radar system. Mid-flight, however, the entire plane and all of its passengers are suddenly frozen in time and space. Time resumes a moment later, with nobody noticing anything amiss, or that anything had happened at all. Until time once again is frozen, and the visage of alien Vera appears on a television to deliver commands to the doctor. What's your joke, Chris? Okay, so you know when he's holding Vera, like, right in front of him? And you're kind of sitting there going like, kiss, kiss, kiss. <laughs> no. Because he's holding his mouth really. Yeah, I know you are. Uh, he's holding his mouth really close to his mouth. And they're like both like arms open, ready to receive one another. I call that ultra seven minutes in heaven. 
No, I, I like can't it. believe you did. I like it. I watched that whole thing. I was like, they're going to kiss. <laughs> they're too close. I feel the tension oh, in this Arby's man. tonight. So I have to ask a question. Mm. How did they think that we would believe Professor Yoshima is only 29 years old? That is yeah, that's me. the oldest looking 29 <laughs> year old I have ever seen. That's like all that sciencing has made him look. People had hard lives haggard. back then. Yeah, that's really. true. And he did get frozen in time. So maybe mm. he aged. Yes. Okay. See, I didn't think about that. Clearly, mm. I didn't spend enough time. Yeah. You know. And studying. the actor playing Dan is only six, weirdly enough. So that's wow. how that's how that's how the aging process works. So, Anne. They're all Benjamin Buttoning. <laughs> no, Anne was Anne was twenty two. That's it's weird. It's a weird. One. <laughs> I <laughs> love Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah. This is a this is a weird episode to me. Yeah. There's there's a lot of interesting things, but like. There's a lot of stuff where I feel like this episode kind of gets slapped together too. Like at the end, like the Ultra mm-hmm. Guard all of a sudden knows that the professor is being controlled, even though they never explicitly see that. It's just editing yeah. things where I'm like, eh. there's a number of things. First of all, this this episode does something that I hate in anything, which is the bad guy accuses the good guy who we know is the good guy mm-hmm. and everyone should be like, I know Dan, he's a it, good man. Yes. Yes. Uh, and yet they just immediately assume that he is the evil one. And it, it drives me nuts. And it, it was like, he's in prison or that, you know, the little like makeshift jail that they make. And then he just immediately puts on the, the thing and like breaks his way out. And it's just like, why didn't you do that from the beginning? Why didn't you just become ultra seven? Cause they clearly don't question ultra seven. Oh, they only question Dan Morboshi. Apparently so when I, I did the drum joke, it killed the timer. Oh no! Well, so we don't. Weird. We have no idea how long it's been. Well, just oh, on that just one. like the people, they had no idea how long they were paused. <sighs> okay, this is so meta. This is what we do on this podcast unintentionally. We did this on purpose. Just want to call it quits at this point. <laughs> that had to be three minutes, yeah. and if not, my um, ultra seven minutes in heaven joke was certainly was three minutes yeah. worth. <laughs> It's also not the best episode, so I'm fine not talking the full three about it. Man, we're just knocking out of the park tonight. All right. Episode number six. Dark Zone. Dan and Anne, or their celebrity name, Dan. Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Lieutenant Dan, are shocked by the appearance of an alien being in UG headquarters. I was saying, almost said UPG. I'm like, wait a minute. Wrong show. The alien asks only for time to recover from his injuries without alerting any hostile forces. Dan, Dan and Dan, agree, but meanwhile, the UG hones in on an unidentified signal that turns out to be a distress call. Dan, being only Dan, is called away from his (laughs) guest to the control room to deal with the issue where the signal is revealed to be coming from the city of Pegasa, whose interstellar engine has gone out, placing them on a collision course with Earth. Well, that's not good. No. <laughs> this episode I like a lot. Um, I like how slow it is at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It takes its time. And it's just kind of creepy that there's the shadow alien is just there. Um, and, and they just kind of chat with it. And uh, I like that whole like opening bit. And then um, 
once we see the city, you know, the alien city of Pegasa, that's one of the best model shots that they've ever done. It's just this mm-hmm. gorgeous, like weird kind of corally looking um, mm-hmm. space city. And they spend a lot of time. They luxuriate in that shot. And I'm a big fan of that. Um, they deserve to, though. Right? Yeah, I know. It's super I, for God's sake. Like, they can do that stuff. <laughs> I'm, I will not begrudge them things like that. Yeah. Yeah. This, this show has a very interesting take on, like, ultra ethics, right? So, to me, they're, they're really weighing out the option of, like, what's going to happen if we blow up this city? Something that I don't think we always see with Ultraman shows more often than not we do but especially at this point we haven't really seen that like we didn't see that with the Baltans right they're just like yeah nuke them um Mm -hmm. but what really hurts is the fact that like the aliens were working on something the entire time so like why the silence like it could have avoided like they could have avoided this but they didn't they didn't radio back and it just makes me wonder like were they just not hearing it? I don't know. There's just something very uneasy feeling about this episode. Maybe that's mm-hmm. the point. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Well, that's certainly the thing because I've clearly not watched the show in order. But I think even if you watched it in order, you would still feel a little sympathy for the alien. Like, I think in a lot of Western shows, if someone's like, oh, I just need to hide out. Let me recoup. Are we to be instantly on like, ah, I don't know, but Ultraman isn't going to let you kind of sit with those easy like assumptions, Mm -hmm. especially, especially like you said, it is a slow burn, but it doesn't feel slowly paced. Mm -hmm. I'm not waiting for it to get to the point, but I am waiting for the tension to build or the tension is building while I wait. I mean, yeah, totally. And, and they, I mean, the conversation that Dan and Anne have with, um, the alien while they're sitting there is really like interesting and like finding out about like we make everything including our air and water and like we're we're never not working and then they even say that thing about like uh technology is inconvenient and you you folks just don't realize it yet and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. and you know this is a japan that only 20 years ago had gotten almost obliterated or at least they had seen as close to the end as possible and now they are the pinnacle of technology so it's like yeah. It, it is a warning as much as it is kind of just a fun adventure. Mm-hmm. I have to say that is, that makes me anxious every single time. That's the point. <laughs> That's the point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even at home listening to it, it's like, oh, the, uh, that guy should maybe fast forward through this, but no. <laughs> All right. Whose turn is it now? I think it's me. This next thumbnail okay. just kills me again. <laughs> It, it, I, I truly, some of them, I'm just like, did you just take a random image from the episode? This looks like when a kid is sitting on the Easter Bunny's lap. <laughs> if the Easter Bunny was in space prison. That's exactly well, what it looks what's like. What's funny is when we get to Ultraman Ace, we do get a Easter Bunny kaiju. That's true. Oh my gosh. Get ready for that. All right. <clears throat> Five years rabbit. <laughs> Get your shots. It's time for five years rabbit. That's, That's not <laughs> funny, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're right. <clears throat> Episode seven, Space Prisoner 303. A hunting trip is interrupted when the hunters find a miniature spaceship only for its violent pilot. Yeah, that's right. Violent pilot to kill them in quick succession. At about the same time in space, the TDF space station V3 
no relation to Common Rider B3, receives <laughs> transmissions from some space source. We don't know. Contracting the ultra, contacting the Ultra Guard, who are also receiving the messages, V3, V3's captain and Captain Kiriyama try to understand the source, which is revealed to be a warning concerning a violent interstellar criminal known as 303. The very alien now on Earth. We have Ipe back. How awesome is that? That was, I mean, it's pretty great, but also like what a, what a short time he gets to be back. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like with the indignity of just getting slashed across the face. Uh, he does get to call the ultra guard who just pick up. Does no, everyone know. just know the number? <laughs> well, first of all, he, he is saved by the tell the phone. <laughs> right? right. And then he picks up. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, calls i'm like wait what does he does he have the number memorized is it easy is it like 911 where everyone just knows the ultra guard and also it gets him mm -hmm. right to headquarters soga picks up it's not I just know. somebody <laughs> where i'll patch you through is that the ultra guard <laughs> ultra guards number one uh marksman picks how can up i transfer the phone. your call <laughs> yeah clearly it's not the number that uh they do on uh what is it the it crowd the new Oh yeah, one <laughs> number they come up with. They put it up against the recording. Yeah, this it's such a weird episode here. Like, yeah. they go back to the gas station, and the woman's still lying there in the back. Yeah, <laughs> like the, there are some like really scary. I mean, like it's all you know POV of the alien and stuff like that. We don't yeah. really see its hands for a while. It's it's pretty scary early on, and it's daytime horror. This show does a mm -hmm. lot of daytime mm -hmm. horror, um, which I think yeah, looks good so on true. the on the uh, you know the type of film that they use. Yeah. How do you guys feel about having a narrator in the show? I know it's not necessarily only the show, but like, I think it works really well with the sci-fi tone. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I, I like it. And I like that he's, it's, it's not an, uh, an obtrusive narrator. It only kind of mm -mm. pops in when you need it, um, which is something I really like about it. It's not like, he's not a main character, the narrator. It's just like, no. this, this fills you in for things that you maybe don't know. Yeah, and you um, wouldn't want them to necessarily show show it to you, right? Like yeah. it's actually mm -hmm. serving the role of a narrator. Mm -hmm. So, I have noticed that this one does have a lot. This feels so much more sci-fi, mm -hmm. um, and and the horror element too, without feeling like it's beholden to either tropes of either franchise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, and it's and I, you know, they wanted to do it for slightly older people and. Or, <laughs> Not like old people, but like older kids, and uh, or senior uh, editors, <laughs> or senior editors, <laughs> uh, geriatric editors. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think I, I think it totally works, and they're not like they don't like hold anybody's hand. Like it's you know we talked mm -hmm. you know uh, Ella King. There's blood squirting like <laughs> when he gets his head cut off. Oh my like, gosh, yeah. There's there's some gore going on there. Also, yeah. whoever they got to dub the white lady at the beginning is does a terrible terrible job. <laughs> Yeah, see, like Pokemon. Yeah. I almost said that. I almost said that. I took that out of my notes because I'm like, I bet I'm gonna just, I don't know. It, it, it's it's not offensive if it's uh, it, it like I know I, I don't know. you know what I mean like the the person who is dubbing that voice the voice is the weird thing like it's like yes, they're doing a cartoon voice I know but then I'm like I wonder if it was actually the white woman. <laughs> All right, episode eight, the market town. Strange occurrences market are town. a growing trend. Hmm? 
It's Shakespearean. (laughs) 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 Strange occurrences are a growing trend in the town, Kitagawa, with no memory after. More incidents occur, leading Dan to believe that there's some outside influence on these people. Which is confirmed when a strange voice commands Ultra 7, scare quotes, to stop interfering. The culprit, Matron, who happily admits, once confronted in his human disguise, that he's been infecting cigarettes in an experiment to see how space poppies affect the human brain as an attempt to conquer the planet without having to mount any sort of invasion. This is a Jisoji episode. Like, oh, yeah. It's, there's no, oh, man. Like, I know there's other directors, they have their own fingerprints and stuff, but like, he just has such an eye that I, I've missed because he doesn't have a lot of episodes in Ultra 7, unfortunately. But it's like the behind the shoulder shot we get when he's walking to the funeral. I mean, that scene has stuck with me since I saw it, I think probably beginning of 2020. And I'm like, I don't even remember what happens. I just that shot itself just sticks with it or like sticks with me. And when you have the ultra guard with the big lights, I don't know. There's just something so unique about these episodes. And yeah. Yeah, this is this is a this is a work of art of an episode. Like It is a visually stunning episode. And um you know, he's doing so, so many interesting kind of like avant-garde things with the camera movements and stuff like that and the different angles. And the fact that he takes the time to have Dan sit down, you know, like it does that shot with Metron where they, he just kind of talks about his plan and stuff like that. And then the kaiju fight at night or, you know, the dusk, it's just, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely stunning. Um, and it's, it's got social commentary in it. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, the, those scenes early on when the members of the Ultra Guard are smoking the cigarettes and like the red filters, you know, he puts the red filters over the camera and the lights and stuff like that. That's really effective. Like it's super easy to do, but it's like really effective. And then watching them like lose their minds in the, in the, in the base and stuff Y'all like that. So like me lose my mind. Up in here. <laughs> they do in fact lose their mind up in here. Um, but yeah, you guys went a lot more serious with this commentary than I would. <laughs> My first joke was going to be surgeon's warning, make us invasion. <laughs> <sighs> that's, that's actually pretty good. Where's, where's McGruff, the crime dog kaiju when you need him? <laughs> when I go home and rethink my kaiju life. Yeah. <laughs> have you thought about like the weird code of ethics between these aliens? In the show, because again, we have a very specific alien where like Metron's just, hey, stay out of the way. You know, we're not going to hurt you if we don't need to. And I'm like, you realize like he's trying. To, I don't know. It's it's weird. Like some aliens are fine with him. Some aren't. It's just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of honorable aliens. Yeah. I will say this episode has everyone's worst nightmare, though. A big truck emptying a load of gravel and rocks in the road ahead of you. Like, I don't know oh. about you guys, but I'm like, I'm Final sweating. Style. Oh, yeah. Sweating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in Colorado and had to do a lot of mountain roads where there's nowhere to Ooh. go. And yeah, that, mm. was, that was a terrifying moment. Yeah. Also, almost half of humanity smokes cigarettes. What? It was yeah. the 60s, man. Different times, man. Yeah. You've seen Mad Men. <laughs> yeah, well. I've seen Mad Ultraman. Oh, Belial and Tregear. All right. <laughs> Episode nine, Operation Android Zero. 
a nighttime patrol by Soga and Furuhashi is cut short when a surprise beautiful woman electrocutes Furuhashi after the agent jokingly told her that he was, scare quotes, Dan Moroboshi. <laughs> Furuhashi survives and discovers he's managed to snag the woman's brooch, which is covered in alien writing, which translates as Android Operation Zero. Like, let's just be honest. How did they... Okay, anyway. Uh, Dan's investigation <laughs> leads him to a group of children wearing the same badges and playing with toy guns. Uh, before I hit the button, did anyone feel like they just stopped caring about the episode descriptions at this point? Hey, they got 40 more to go. I'm curious. <laughs> it's just like, it's not even trying to sum it up like how the others. It's just like, we got 10 minutes into the episode and we're done. Okay. I seriously, yeah. Almost all of them are like, here's the first two seconds and yeah. now... It has nothing to do with the rest of it. I know this android. You do. And you know the 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 alien. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> You're just focusing on the what? women. Oh. oh. Hey man. Future trunks came to warn me about these androids mm-hmm. thing. Um Yeah, I think this was the episode. Okay, this is really embarrassing because this is episode nine. But this was the episode where I kind of realized, like, hey, I do actually know a lot of these. <laughs> so it, it did. I, I would have been really curious um, to see what this episode would have felt like before Giga S mm-hmm. because of the whole storyline that was built around the humanity. But um, it's still I it's something that we've said before. Some of Kyle said tonight, this episode or the next one, like. The fact that the um, the show doesn't like punish you for not having seen it all in a certain mm-hmm. order um, can only add to it later. So yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, and this one too, like social commentary again, but like in a different way. I mean, you got child soldiers basically, but like the idea of gun toy guns being actual guns. Oh, it's geez. just like it's it's really rough, um, but. Like, I, I still think that, the I mean, the show doesn't ever get so dark that it's like, un, you know, like, we can't watch this anymore. Yeah. Uh, but it, it it really kind of walks that fine line it's a lot of times. Yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. well, especially that's when, good. But. Yeah, I do too. And especially when, when the bad guy is just an old guy, you know what I mean? Like, you just kind of get the sense that like, mm-hmm. um, and an alien, and a, an android woman and stuff like that. And, and so it, it does feel a little more immediate. Some of, you know, the scares or the, the kind of threat in a different way than if it's, you know, an alien monster suit or something like that. Yeah. Well, and it's amazing that it's become even more, um, more pressing as a social commentary as time's gone on. Like, especially living in Chicago, like even just a few days ago, there's a shooting on the South side. And even yesterday, someone was like, was in a fender bender and they ended up getting executed on the road because of it out of road rage. Mm -hmm. Like the -hmm. fact that this stuff comes up and like a show from the sixties commenting on guns and gun culture, especially with kids. Like we grew up in the age where all of our toy guns had the orange like tips on the end. Yeah. So, you know, it's fake or not, but, the fact that like this was I don't know it, it was just kind of pressing to see how like apt this episode still spoke 60 some or you know 50 some years later yeah just crazy to me yeah episodes like this hit differently after I actually witnessed an attempted shooting and I'm like it's serious yeah. business you know and yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad that the show didn't shy away from these topics 
can't believe what a long, strange journey it's been. But here we are at episode 10. <laughs> episode 10. The Suspicious Neighbor. <laughs> Not a particularly exciting title, but there we go. As Dan investigates reports of a man who seemingly hasn't moved in 24 hours, the team notices a radar contact at the same place one, has, one was recorded a month ago. The oddities increase when Dan discovers that time is seemingly frozen in the area of his investigation. But when he enters the space, it is revealed to be alien in nature. Trapped in what is revealed to be the fourth dimension, Dan attempts to transform into Ultra 7, but is unable to do so, or even release a capsule monster under the strange physics of his prison. Then Icarus then reveals itself then. There's too many thens in that sentence. (laughs) The editor. There's a dead bird floating midair. What a glorious sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Only an Ultra 7. Yeah. This episode is weird and I really like it. (laughs) Yeah. Because Ultra Rear Window. Yeah. See, this is the episode where I finally realized the Ultra Guard guys, their butts look so good in the uniforms. I'm just like, all right, guys. This is these are the best of the uniforms. Oh, hey, this has nothing to do with uh, this is just a show kind of thing. But doesn't it drive you nuts (laughs) where all any in any show their helmets always have a visor that they never use? It's just always (laughs) up. That drives me insane. (laughs) These that's for when they find a training remote. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like it's like put put it down once. Just show me that it works. Yeah, show me that it moves. Yeah. Oh, oh man! Because otherwise, it's a it's a motorcycle helmet. Yeah. <laughs> you just leave the thing. Uh, yeah, up. It's nothing to do with anything. Uh, what do you think of the like balloon meets intestines kind of prison that he's in? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it feels like. Yeah, it's there's a place around here called Kaleidoscope where kids can go and play, and it just feels like a room out of that place. So I'm I'm, I'm good with <laughs> yeah. it. And he's just kind of. I think I'm a little more used to it because I know in Jetman. And some other Sentai series, they kind of like Jet play with Man. the same effects. Yeah. Uh, or Zhu Ranger has one that's pretty big where Terreno Ranger goes into someone's heart and it's kind of the same effect. Oh, but yeah. It is really sick. similar to that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Hmm. So. Did you notice yeah. that Seven's Eye Slugger didn't cut him into pieces? Like, that's pretty impressive. Like, he did smolder to death, but I was like... <laughs> Elekin gets the real sliced blue steel. into pieces and then Icarus is just like bounces off of his chest and sets him on mm-hmm. fire. I don't know. It's pretty impressive. Slice my kaiju to pieces. This, this is, is my, my last, last resort. resort. <laughs> um, can we just talk about the fact that we're in the fourth dimension and we don't see um, Bullman, my boy. Oh, Bolton. <laughs> yeah. Bullman. Bullman, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> like we only are, we're only in the fourth dimension when when things are going funky i was like is this my boy is he back <laughs> no it was not that was kind of sad nor were we in the fifth dimension where they of course sing about uh uh dawning of the age of aquarius that was <laughs> a long way to go for absolutely nothing uh, <laughs> that's episode 10 that's fine that ufo laser attack it's absolutely brutal yeah. Like, oh, God, nothing yeah. left behind except just, like, withered trees. Like, why mm-hmm. weren't you using this the whole time? <laughs> oh, yeah, because plot. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. So before we go into the awards, it's time for me to pitch the Patreon and ask you all for money. Uh, Say that five times fast. It's time for... Nope. Um, (laughs) I was was actually (laughs) thinking that. I'm like, no, I need to write it down first. So before this podcast started, Chris and I were talking about doing a new show and just wanting to do something different with this, right? And not just the three-minute color timer thing, but after the eventful year that was 2020, uh, finding a way to just kind of give back to people. And the idea was that we could raise money for the Ultraman Foundation. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the Ultraman Foundation, I mean, yes, the name probably sounds familiar, but uh, in their own words, the Ultraman Foundation is a foundation that acknowledges children are the hope for the future and will provide everlasting support in all kinds of ways for the welfare and well-being of all children. It is our mission to bring back the smiles to the faces of each child as soon as possible, and we pray from our heart that the children will move on to their bright future. So not going to read out all of the stuff. If you're interested, it's patreon.com slash atrociouspod. But our big thing is, again, all of this money that we're going to be raising to the Patreon, we're going to be donating to the Ultraman Foundation. Now, it is only $3 to join. There's only one tier because I'm not paying $8 a month to do Patreon. We're just doing five. So by becoming a patron, this is what you get. So first of all, the knowledge that you're actually helping kids in need, right? We're not asking for recording costs or anything like that to be covered, which is a very valid thing to do with a Patreon, but we're just not in a position where we need that. Uh, So not only do you get that, uh, you do get a thank you on our website, a shout out on the episode following your signup, which we do record about a month in advance. So just keep that in mind and a mention in our show notes as the episodes progress. Uh, you do get early access to our episodes up to a week early. Uh, sometimes it will be earlier than that. Um, you do get preview of our upcoming schedule, including guests, and just really a chance to get to know me and Chris, along with our fellow listeners. Uh, we did talk about trying to create content. It's just we don't have time for that, to be honest. And we'd hate to be like, hey, we're going to do this. And then we drop the ball there. So if that's something that you feel like you would partner with us on, that would be amazing. Again, it's patreon.com slash atrociouspod. If that's not something that you can do, totally understand. We just ask maybe you share it with someone who's in a position uh, to help and they can send you the downloads. I don't really care. You do what you want to do, right? But we appreciate you taking the time to check that out at least. And uh, we look forward to hopefully uh, getting your patronage to help those little kiddos out. But it's time for awards. Kyle, who's your most beautiful kaiju? Well, there were quite a few to choose from in these 10 episodes. Um, uh, yeah, there were. It, so I'm, there are three that could, they all kind of fit the same bills. So I'm just going to start with Alien Cool, which is the alien from the first episode. Um, oh, because they did three, and I think, and they would do more later on in the series, of these kind of like floating kind of brain aliens, uh, you know, with tentacles mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and it really set it apart because, you know, the first Ultra Q monster was Gomez. Is it because which is a, of the tentacles? Is, yeah. And then, you know, you have uh, very, very terrestrial looking. These are so big, they're 11 tentacles. 
Um, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, it sets it sets this show apart immediately, being like mm-hmm. the 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 bad guys here are not just big giant monster dinosaur looking things. These we are get like aliens. Yeah, we actually get aliens. Amen. So yeah. that was yes. that was my. And there were a few other ones like that, um, but Alien Cool. First of all, his name's Alien Cool, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, and also was the first one to get utterly annihilated. Oh, God, <laughs> it's brutal. That. Yeah, so that's my one. It's a good one. I went with Vera for probably about the same reasons. Just like the, it's all. It feels like a lot fewer suit actors this time, and maybe more like um, child suit. Probably actors. like. Puppets? What? Child suit actor. Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, now I can't choose him anymore. Shoot. <laughs> but they did something different with them this time, and I thought that was pretty cool. So Vera, Vera's my stand-in for all of those. I think probably the same three you picked. Yeah, totally. If they do Vera again, they just have Warwick Davis be in the suit. Oh, maybe. <laughs> I went with Alien Icarus largely because his role in Ginga, his hands. It's just funny, like, if you're watching Ginga before this, you're like, what is with his hands? And you come back here and you're like, oh, yeah, it's it's always yeah. been old, there. He's old Johnny I, Jazz I hands. I can confirm. <laughs> yeah. I can confirm. Oh, man. So, oh, what about the monster graveyard? Because mine had to be, what's his name, when he gets, like, sliced into a billion pieces. Well, there's a like, lot of them. So, what is his name, Chris? Oh, the plant one. Oh. The plant Oh, while while yeah, I had it written down and then I um, closed that tab. Um, <laughs> this is a brutal. This is a brutal one. Yeah, my golly, especially, especially, and I know this is not the show's fault, but especially coming from Ginga. <laughs> Good lord, watching these things die. I'm like, just wait till you get the Ultraman to spark dolls. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> what about you two? What were your monster graveyards? Uh, yeah, I had to do Ella King. I mean, that's it. It's, I'm sitting here with my son and I'm like, it's fine, whatever. He's not traumatized, but we're just looking at each other and being like, he didn't deserve that. <laughs> that was Jester's like, I know something's wrong here, but <laughs> yeah. should have cut him into four pieces. Yeah, it's what about you? Cal? <laughs> it was, I think my one is, um, it might be alien, uh, uh, cool. I mean, again, he was the first one to get his just completely his head chopped off. But you, you, tr- I mean, Ella King has blood spurt, and that mm-hmm. is something that is like you do not get over if you've come from Ultraman to this. And no, uh, um, it's 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 super brutal. Um, so that I mean, there's plenty to choose from. Most of the deaths of the aliens are pretty gnarly, but that one really kind of stood out. Gnarly. Oh man, what a good word. Uh. The How in the Heck Did He Get Away With That Award, just as a reminder, this is the Transformation Award. I had to go with Dan knocking Soga out in like the, <laughs> the, the closet room there and transforming into Ultra 7. Just like, when you got to do what you got to do, right? Like this show yeah. definitely is showing, <laughs> showing uh, they're proving that's like, hey, you know what? Like, we're just not going to be able to get away with just the whole like, Oh, where did Dan conveniently go? Trope. It's just nope. Wow. Yeah. So that itself should have been a pretty good clue. Yeah. What about you, Kyle? I think, and I think it's in. I gotta make sure because there was a few episodes where he got captured. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think it's in I think it's in Max Respond where he is trapped in like a weird force field thing, and one and the other alien is mimicking him. Is that is that that episode or is that a different episode? Yeah. Um, but he, <laughs> he like whaps it in the face, and then like this this whole ridiculous like rigmarole to like figure out how he can get out of out of his bonds and get the thing on uh, the Ultra Eye. So that that whole sequence was just kind of like. You should not have gotten out of this. That's that's my whole thing. Yeah, that's like the that's like the award itself. That's the heart <laughs> of the award. Yeah. So, mine was just when he and the kaiju are getting out of the exploding ship. Um, so that was kind of a fun. Yeah. Mine's mine. This is severely less fun than the two you that you just brought up. <laughs> but can't all be winners, Chris. Yeah. Well, in this in this exact instance, they are all winners. They gain the awards. That's true. That's true. Kyle, what was your Amberts yeah. Butthole Award? So there I, were quite I love a few. Saying that sentence. What what is your aim for its butthole award? I mean, that is that is an iconic choice uh, from the uh, the OG Ultraman. There were a lot to choose from for this. I think I'm going to go with from Secret of the Lake. One of the uh, evil alien twin girls says, I just want to be touched by anyone. <laughs> I almost went with that. That's so good. <laughs> it's just I so could, sad. I, yeah. like, and also, like, we get it, I man. I just like, want to <laughs> be touched by anyone. <laughs> Especially, yeah. Uh, I feel Dan. I feel this twin. Yeah. And she did feel Dan. <laughs> you said that. Uh, yeah. Chris, what was yours? Well, I really liked that one, but <laughs> um, I just kind of couldn't stop laughing at Alien Cool. Like, I don't know what I don't know if that was a translation thing, if that was the kaiju's name in Japanese too. But I just that one made me laugh, so I'm gonna go with that one. <laughs> just I'm just the like, name what a funny Alien Cool. <laughs> yeah, I was like that. I that I, I was like maybe that's a translation thing. Maybe his name in Japan was just Cool Alien. <laughs> They just didn't put it any further, oh, but Chris never. I don't changed. know. Just, just the enjoyment that I got out of it, and I had to put it up here. So yeah. So, I almost went with. I guess I've been sniffed out, considering <laughs> aim for its butthole. I just thought that was kind of <laughs> on the nose yeah, sure, a little bit. Sure. Uh, plus, alien shibble. Pun intended. But I had to go with. We have no choice. Hit him with it. And I just, I don't know what it is. Like, maybe it's just the fact that every time I watch that, I always think Furuhashi's talking about the car. But I just, I don't know. <laughs> I just, yeah. But I guess I've been sniffed out. It's a really good one, though. That's very fair. That's very fair. All right, everyone. Favorite episode, Chris. Lay it on us. Uh, Android, Operation Android Zero. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty powerful one. And this time we actually discussed why during the episode discussion. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like we say, this was our favorite episode. We memed it for three minutes. So now I'm going to talk about it. But this one we actually talked about. So yeah. rewind about 10 minutes. What about you, Cal? Um, I got to go with The Marked Town, which um, is maybe 
you know, like a hack thing to say, but like it's Akio Jisoji. Like I'm not, I'm, you know, and it's it truly like I remember liking it. And then when we, I watched it again a couple of days ago with preparation for this, I was like, oh yeah, this is truly wonderful. This is a truly mm-hmm. excellent episode. It's something that I would show anybody, you know, like we were talking about in our bonus episode that you will hear next week about like how to get into various shows. And I feel like if you want to show somebody like, this is kind of what Ultra 7 is about or it can be. Um, this is like one of the best episodes for sure. If you want to convince your friends to stop smoking, watch the Mark. I mean, there's that too. Yeah. See, I almost went with Operation Android Zero. I just don't like the ending. It's incredibly mm-hmm. anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. And sure. I feel like up until that point, it's one of the best episodes of the entire series. And then it gets to that end there and I'm like, uh, so I went with Marktown. I mean, not just because it's a Jisoji episode, but it really is just one of the, it, it, it's, I'm not big on actual favorite favorites, but it mm-hmm. definitely is up there when it comes to like some of the best Ultraman of all time. Like yeah. there's no debate for me. It's, it's up there. Yeah. It stands out. All right, Chris. So you know what time it is. I certainly do. Here's the thing. Dan's biggest problem is that he listened to the voice of the women who were calling out to him. We already brought in the Proverbs, but the whole story of the Bible is about people who listen to women who lead them down the wrong path. Adam screwed the entire human race by listening to the voice of a woman. He did not just lose his ultra eye, but his ultra life. Because the day that he ate of the fruit, he would certainly ultra die. And then later, Abraham took Hagar because he listened to the voice of his wife. Later, David would listen to the voice of women who would lead him astray. A whole, and then Proverbs, we've already alluded to it. The problem is, when women are flirting with you, you have to stop and wonder, is this God's plan for my life? Adam did not. Abraham did not. Solomon did not. Now our call is, do we listen to the voice of the adulterous woman or do we listen to Lady Wisdom, the Ultraman Jesus himself? Amen. (laughs) I really got like a much of, I really got like, I really felt that music. Right. I didn't realize it'd be that loud. I am so sorry, but obviously (laughs) I was like, oh my God. Well, it kind of made me kind of match that energy. So I don't know if that was a bad thing. I'll I'll adjust it a little bit whenever I... uh, (laughs) No, I'm just going to sound like I'm yelling. (laughs) (laughs) Repent or perish. Well... All right, Pastor Chris or uh, Father Chris, we we do appreciate your your wisdom. And happy Father's Day to me then. <laughs> My plate. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to let you steal Chris's thunder. Even though you won't be with us, what episodes are we discussing next time? Well, hey, um, you have the, the pleasure of talking about episodes 11 through 20 of Ultra 7, starting with Fly to Demon Mountain and ending with Destroy Earthquake Epicenter X, which is a pretty cool title. Oh, it's an incredibly cool it title. Is sick. And Flight of Demon Mountain. I mean, that's just like, yeah, yeah. am I excited or scared? I don't know. I'm conflicted. That sounds like that one movie. Escape to which mountain? 
Yeah, that one. Thank you. I was just thinking Candy Mountain from Flapjack. <laughs> it's Candy. It's Demon Mountain, Charlie. Or that too. Demon Mountain, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and next time you guys also get a, a two-parter to yes. talk about. Yes. So that'll be fun for me to listen to. So Kyle, I I can't stress it enough. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show tonight. It's almost like you do your own podcast. So it it, it felt kind of natural. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm going to have to edit too much. So that's, that's always fun. Right. But I mean, just my rampant farting, but sure. Man, <laughs> you know, that wouldn't be the first time we've had to take a fart out of the show. So don't you worry about that. Correction. I did not take it out. I just put it at the end where it belongs. <laughs> That's where it belongs. As we all know. But uh, seriously, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is your time to pull Tobias and just plug yourself, man. Where yeah. can people find you? Um, yeah, well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you guys. I've been, uh, enjoying your show since it started and it, uh, I've been, we didn't pay him to say that. No, no, no. And you schedule way in (laughs) advance. So I've had this to look forward to on my calendar for a while. Um, so thank you very much for having me on. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle D Anderson. Um, you can find stuff that I write, uh, on nerdist.com. Uh, occasionally there are videos that I make there on our uh, Nerdist YouTube as well. I have a video about Ultraman uh, that I made last year, what? which now I think I would update, but it's too late. It's, it's already over. Um, uh, and also, if you're into Doctor Who or just the sound of my voice, you can listen to um, <laughs> uh, the podcast that I do, Doctor Who, uh, The Writer's Room, Doctor Who, Five Years Rapid, and Doctor Who, The Memory Cheats Season 3 is the one that I'm on. So, uh, yeah. Uh, thanks again. I was uh, had a great time, and uh, I like to, to trail off when I talk. We all do. Um, if you've been farting this whole time, does that mean you're those aliens from the first season? The shape-shifting ones in disguise? Oh, yeah, yeah. The the uh, uh, the Slovene from Rexacoracle yeah. Falpatorius. Yeah. Are we talking yes. about Doctor <laughs> the Who? Answer here? Is yes. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Doctor Who. I was like, yeah. the whole uh, first season was based on farting. Yeah, a lot of farts in the first season. So, Doctor Whoever Smelt It Dealt It. Oh my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning that. in. Saved by the Belial is a proud partner of the Tokusatsu Network, the premier news website for all things Tokusatsu related. If you're enjoying our show, we humbly ask that you chant our name over at Apple Podcasts and leave a five star review. More important than the reviews, though, we'd love to hear from you. So whether that's sharing your thoughts on an episode we covered, if we made a mistake, which we never do, or you just want to chat, you can send us an email at atrociouspod at protonmail.com or head over to atrociouspod.com where you'll find our contact form for listener feedback or even prayer requests. Also, Patreon plug. Until next time. May Sevenger watch over you, Wyndham empower you, and King Joe bring you joy. <laughs> Probably turn the volume up. Oh.
All right. So before we go into the awards, it's time for me to pitch the Patreon and ask y'all for money. Say that five times fast. All right. So before we go into the awards, it's time for me to pitch the Patreon and ask y'all for money. All right. So before we go into the awards, it's time for me to pitch the Patreon and ask y'all for money. All right. So before we go into the awards, it's time for me to pitch the Patreon and ask y'all for money. For money.